Welcome to episode 610 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Except that for this episode, it's just games, and that's why it's just me. Richard doesn't have the same uh, enthusiasm for gaming tech that I do, so I told him, take the day off. I'm going to do a recap of all of the biggest gaming news from CES 2023. Because this is our second episode from CES 2023, we're going to do things a little bit differently again. Not going to do feedback for this episode and definitely not going to do what's going on in my entertainment center. We did that in the last episode with Richard, episode 609, where we covered all of the TV and, and big audio news from the week. Definitely go and check that one out if you haven't yet. We will be back next week to catch up on all of the other news that we've might have missed because when we recorded the first episode, that was on Wednesday and CES had only really just begun. So plenty of news that has come out since we last recorded. So we'll be catching up on the rest of that next week on on episode 611 but here on episode 610 just the biggest gaming news from ces and we're going to start with gaming laptops they are fun they're gorgeous they're super powerful i i I just love talking about them i really want some of these laptops (laughs) so the overall trend this year that that was kind of new is that gaming laptops are moving from being traditionally either a you can get a 15-inch screen or a 17-inch screen, and now a lot of the major manufacturers are doing 16 and 18-inch screens instead. And just like the larger laptop ecosystem has done over the last few years, they are putting larger screens in devices that are roughly the same size as their replacements. So this is a 16-inch screen in a laptop that is the same size as maybe the previous year's 15-inch model. And they're primarily doing that by shrinking the bezels. If you just make the bezels smaller on the screen, you can fit more screen on there and consume the same amount of space. So we're going to start with Razer. I think they had the most exciting laptop announcement. So that's where we're going to start. The new Razer Blade 16 and Razer Blade 18 instead of the 15 and 17 from the last few years. The most obvious thing, of course, these have all of the latest chips inside of them. Intel 13th generation Core i processors all the way up to Core i9, which uh, some of these models can even be equipped with 24 core i9 processors. Now, Some of these specs aren't fully available yet. Still, even though it's been a few days, Razer has not released every single spec about these things. So yes, these are have the possibility of having 24 core CPUs in them, but starting last generation, Intel has increased the core count, but by doing it in the way that, frankly, smartphones have been working for the last few years. They have uh, a, a few cores that they call performance cores, and then a few cores that are efficiency cores. And 
the the whole point of that is the performance cores are the, are the really fast ones. When you're playing a game or or doing something really processing intensive, those are are taking the brunt of the load. If you're doing less power intensive things, then it shifts that load over to the efficiency cores. And the idea is they're still fast enough to do the vast majority of those things that you want to do that aren't high performance type workloads. And they can do it while consuming less energy, which in a laptop means, in theory, longer battery life. In the the 12th gen Intel processors, mm, did we see drastically better battery life? Not really. But here's hoping that that's a little bit different with the 13th generation of the Core i processors from Intel. The other thing that Razer did, of course, there's a new generation of NVIDIA GPUs to put in these things. So these are uh, equipped with NVIDIA 4000 series graphics cards. But again, Razer specifically, a little light on the details of, of which different chips that you would be able to get inside of these. And so we'll just have to wait and see. In, in the past, you know, per, look at last year when Razer rolled out the 2022 model line. They had versions with the NVIDIA 3600, the 3700, and the 3800 Ti. I expect to see similar things in the, in the 4000 series this year. Okay, so the screens are bigger, but there's another couple of differences here. One of the really cool ones is they've changed the aspect ratio. Most, maybe all, Razer laptops and the vast majority of gaming laptops of the last decade have featured displays that have a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. It's a, it's a standard widescreen aspect ratio, the same aspect ratio that your television at home uses. And a lot of people are kind of over the idea of a fairly widescreen laptop display because a lot of the things that you need to do on a laptop require a lot of vertical space, vertical scrolling down a web page, vertically working on a document. So having more vertical screen real estate can be really beneficial on a laptop. And the gaming manufacturers are finally listening to this feedback and Razer has put 16 by 10 aspect ratio screens on the new Razer Blade 16 and 18. These are the only two new models that they announced this year. And that's great. I I, I don't know anybody that's going to be upset by having a slightly taller screen. Now, is it going to absolutely change everything about your workflow? Probably not, but you're going to appreciate the added screen height. The only thing that's confusing about them is that it makes the screen resolutions a little bit harder to remember if you actually care about how many pixels they are. So in a lot of conversations about these machines that, that we talk about, I'm going to say things like 1080 plus because it's not like we always describe screen resolutions if we're only going to use one number uh, in terms of the vertical height. And when we're changing these from 16 by 9 to 16 by 10, it's the vertical height that's changing. So if I say 1080 plus, it's not actually 1080. It's a little bit more than that. But everyone's pretty comfortable with what is a 1080 screen? What is a 19 by 1080 screen? You you know that. We know the, the common 1080s, the 1440s, and the 4K monitors. And this is just like 1080, but a little bit taller. Okay. 
So with all of that out of the way, what else is cool about these Razer laptops? Well, the Razer Blade 16 has something that's really unique here. It has what they're calling a dual mode display. And there's a few cool things about this. One is it's mini LED backlit. And if you listened to the episode that we just did, episode 609, talking about TV technologies, we broke down a lot of the different display technologies. One of the big benefits to mini LED is it can get very bright. And brightness matters when it comes to HDR content. And with laptops, the brighter the screen, the the easier it is to see what's on the screen if you're in a bright setting, like if you're outside and using the laptop or just a really sunny room, a brighter screen is, is going to make it easier for you to see things. Now, last year's Razer Blade models and most of the, the higher end gaming laptops they topped out between three and 500 nits of peak brightness, probably like 350 to, to, to 500, depending on which laptop you're looking at. This one, if you have it set to the, the 4K 120 hertz refresh rate setting, it maxes out at 1000 nits peak brightness, twice as bright or more than a lot of last year's laptop monitors, which is fantastic. Like I said, in terms of viewing it in a bright room, or if you're watching or playing HDR content, that HDR is really going to pop with that level of peak brightness. Now, you'll notice I said, if you have it in the 4K 120 hertz setting. So let's go back. Dual mode display. This is the cool thing about it. So you can set this thing up to natively output at 4K resolution with a 120 hertz refresh rate, which is great, but it's also more geared like this mode at productivity. Like you're working on photo manipulation, video editing, things like that, where you need the resolution and the detail, but maybe not a super crazy fast refresh rate. Although 120 hertz refresh rate is really good. But your other option here, the dual mode is you can switch it to being a 1080 plus display running at 240 hertz. So you get, well, kind of a quarter of the resolution, but twice the refresh rate. And the, the other impact though, is that it's also not as bright, but the peak brightness in the, the 1080 mode still hits 600 nits of peak brightness. So you're still looking at a a pretty bright screen, even in the 1080 plus mode. And so the main idea here is if you're using this laptop for work, you're probably going to run it at, at 4k resolution, get that brighter output and be using a lower refresh rate because you really don't need a, a crazy high refresh rate. If you're just working or doing normal computery things, but if you're gaming, there are a lot of benefits to having that higher refresh rate. So you switch it into the 1080 plus mode. You're running at a lower resolution, which means that the GPU can provide a higher frame rate uh, output to the display because it doesn't have as many pixels to render. And then it can display them even faster. So if you are uh, really into the, the the more competitive high speed action games, then 
switching into this mode is going to make a ton of sense. Plus, you're not putting so much strain on the GPU trying to render something at 4K. That's that's hard, especially for like it, yes, these are NVIDIA 4000 series GPUs, but still 4K. That's a whole lot of pixels. So these these laptop GPUs specifically still can kind of struggle to hit really high frame rates on a 4K display. And and at 4K, unless you're playing a pretty old game at this point, 120 frames per second on, at 4K resolution is going to be probably not very achievable for major recent AAA games. So drop it down to 1080, run it at a much higher frame rate, and you, you get that silky smooth uh, rendering, and, and it just looks great without any screen tearing or anything like that. The only real downside to this really cool technology is if you want to switch between the four the 4K mode and the 1080 plus mode, you have to fully restart the computer. And that could get pretty annoying if you're doing this a lot. Now, if you're pretty much only planning to use this as a gaming machine, then maybe you just leave it in the 1080 mode and you just don't worry about anything else. But if if you are using this as an actual, you know, desktop class replacement computer that you're going to do everything on, I don't know. It might get kind of tiring having to uh, reboot it all the time to switch modes. This machine, it's coming out in the first quarter. They will start at $2,700. And that price is actually lower than I expected. It's a little bit more than last year's Razer Blade 15, but with this pretty impressive new screen technology, brand new uh, CPU and GPU combinations, I kind of thought it might be even more, but it's not. So, but th- that's going to be for the, the lower end model. Now, the other option here is the Razer Blade 18. So an 18 inch display inside of a laptop that's roughly equivalent to last year's 17 inch model. This one, it does not have the dual mode display. It is a quad HD plus uh, display at 240 hertz, and and it's just fixed there, right? You know, you're not doing this reset to to do different things. It does have a couple of other things that are different from the Razer Blade 16. One is it goes from the the Razer Blade 16 has a 1080p webcam. The Razer Blade 18 has a 5 megapixel camera, so that's significantly higher. We'll see how good it actually is. It's still a webcam inside the lid of a laptop, so it doesn't have that big of a sensor, but it should get you a a, a pretty good-looking video feed from your laptop. The other major difference, and maybe that's even a stretch at this point, is because this is bigger and thicker, it has room for a full-size Ethernet jack, which is kind of nice like i still like to hardwire all of my computers whenever possible so it is nice to see that you won't require a dongle to have a fully hardwired ethernet connection and both of these devices are loaded with ports you've got thunderbolt 4 on both of them you've got extra usb c ports you've got extra usb a ports that are usb 3.1 uh the discrete power adapter, uh, SD card slots, HDMI 2.1 output. You're covered when it comes to the ports on these on these machines. Uh, Razer Blade 18 also supposed to come out this first quarter. 
with prices starting at $2,900. So neither of these machines are cheap, but Razer makes really, really nice hardware. So I can't wait to see what the full tech specs are from these, what the different configurations are, and what that will actually mean for the pricing. My guess is that with these starting points, that's probably a 4070 GPU. It may be uh, a Core i7 processor and probably 16 gigs of DDR5 RAM with uh, one terabyte of NVMe storage. That's my guess. But they do say that the storage and the RAM are user upgradable, which is a really nice thing to have. So if the price of DDR RAM 5 DDR5 RAM drops even more, then maybe you can upgrade that cheaper on your own down the line. Uh, But they do support up to 64 gigs of DDR5 RAM. The other laptop that I want to talk about uh, is, is really the line from Alienware. And it's because they're also doing some similar things. They've got some new models that are all also using 16 by 10 aspect ratio displays which is great, but they have upgraded their 14-inch line and their their 15 and 17 did the same thing, went to 16 and 18-inch displays. And with with Alienware, the thing you have to remember, Alienware is owned by Dell. What, What do I think of when I think of Dell laptops? I think of basically infinite configuration options. And while it's not quite infinite, they're giving you so many options. If you're an Intel processor fan, they've got Intel processors, but they've also got AMD processors that you can use. They've got NVIDIA and AMD GPUs that you're going to be able to choose from. So lots of options here from Alienware. The the chassis themselves look great, in my opinion. They kind of walk that line in between looking like a, a normal laptop and a gamer laptop without being too obnoxious of a gamer laptop looking device. And they are, in general, it looks like their prices are going to be a little bit less than Razer. That is the downside to Razer. They're pretty much right at the top of of the pricing spectrum. But Alienware, like they they have a model that looks like it's going to be $2,600 instead of $2,700. But again, so many configuration details that have yet to be released. We don't really know what the full pricing on any of these will be. But Alienware definitely uh, trying to keep pace with Razer this year round. And it looks like they're going to have some pretty nice options for you. And if the idea of a 16 or 18 inch laptop is just like you just know that's way too big for you. Alienware's new 14-inch option also looks really good. So definitely suggest checking out the new Alienware 14-inch laptop. Now, that's it for our laptops, but even if you're gaming on a laptop, you might want to hook it up to a monitor. And oh my gosh, when it comes to monitors, Samsung is like hold my beer because They've gone absolutely crazy this year. We've seen some pretty out there designs from Samsung in the past. This year, it's no different. This year, they're announcing the Samsung Odyssey Neo G9. This is a monitor, 
for your desk that is 57 inches for a monitor. And you, and you might be thinking like, that's got to be like huge in every direction. And actually it's not because I don't even know that we actually have verbiage for this anymore because typically if, we, if we're talking about a monitor with an aspect ratio of 16 by 9, that's widescreen. If it's 21 by 9, it's ultra widescreen. This monitor is 32 by 9. It is ridiculously wide. So, so much wider than it is tall. It is so huge. And fortunately, it's curved so that it wraps around you a little bit. But that's not the only uh, great stuff about this. So it is essentially a 4K plus monitor. But in this case, we're really talking about far wider. It is 2160 pixels high. But because it's a 32 by 9 aspect ratio, the full resolution is 7680 by 2160. That is a ludicrous resolution. And if it was just a crazy high resolution, like that might be reason enough to get excited about this. But they didn't skimp in the refresh rate or in the brightness because this will do that resolution at a 240 hertz refresh rate. It also is a Display HDR 1000 certified device, which means that it has a peak brightness of 1000 nits. And that is way higher than most other monitors that you see out there. Like at this point, it seems like all of the run of the mill monitors are, if they say Display HDR, they're like Display HDR 300 or 400. And at that brightness, you're not actually go- going to really notice the difference. Like, don't buy a Display HDR 400 monitor because you want a nice HDR monitor. You won't notice the difference. Some of the higher end ones are Display HDR 600, 700. You're going to start telling a difference there. Display HDR 1000, I think you're going to notice that. And so it is very bright, peak brightness there. Um, there is a downside to this, though. <laughs> if if having a 57-inch curved monitor uh, and, and the size of that wasn't a downside on its own, which maybe it's not if you've got an enormous desk to put it on, here's the real problem. To support that resolution and that refresh rate, you have to use DisplayPort 2.1 connections. And that's a really new technology that's not being used very much yet. In fact. NVIDIA doesn't support it at all. (laughs) AMD GPUs do support it, but they don't really, like they don't have a a, a processor, a, a, a graphics processor that can, that really has the horsepower to fully drive a display like this. Now it does have an HDMI port and you can use HDMI, uh, to, to connect your computer to this monitor. But if you do, then it maxes the refresh rate at 60 hertz. And uh, 60 hertz isn't bad, but it's not great. (laughs) It's really not great when you're considering how much money this thing is eventually going to cost. Now, we don't know. Uh, It's for sure going to be a four-digit number. I'm curious if it ends up being two or $3,000. I mean, this thing is so, so big. So we'll see. It is supposed to be out this year. They, they 
they might do it. Um, but if if they're just saying later this year, uh, this is going to be third or fourth quarter, I'm sure. Samsung did have another monitor that's a little bit more realistic, and that is the Odyssey OLED G9. And this one is a 49-inch OLED, and it uses Quantum Dot OLED. You've heard me talk about this a lot over the last year. Uh, also just called QD OLED, QD OLED. QD OLED displays can typically get brighter and they don't typically tend to suffer from burn-in. That is a possibility on OLED displays. While it is 49 inches and an OLED, it is not a 4K display. This one is 5120 by 1440. Again, with a 32 by 9 aspect ratio. So it is still another one of these very wide looking displays. So it's essentially a crazy wide 1440p monitor. No pricing on this one either, but that sounds kind of awesome and a little bit more realistic than that 57 inch one. And with those, with that OLED display, that's going to look really, really nice. Okay. So that's it for the really big and 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 really good looking monitors. But for gamers, it's not always just about the highest resolution or the absolute best picture quality. Sometimes you really just need a really, really fast refresh rate. And that's where Alienware and Asus uh, ROG, I, I just typically call it ROG, but ROG Republic of Gamers is the sub-brand there from Asus's gaming line. They both have brand new monitors that they've announced with refresh rates at or above, around or above 500 hertz. The monitors here are the Alienware AW2524H, which is a 25-inch IPS display running at 1080p. The Asus one is the ROG Swift PG248QP. I don't... These model numbers are not great. It's also a a 1080p monitor at 24 inches, but this one uses uh, TN technology, whereas the Alienware one was IPS. IPS is basically better in in every way imaginable at this point. Really, the the main reason that people used to buy TN-type monitors was because they could achieve higher refresh rates. Well, if Alienware is cranking out a monitor that can do uh, close to 500 hertz refresh rate with an IPS panel that's going to be brighter, more accurate colors, and better viewing angles. I think it's time to leave TN panels in the dust, Asus, but they didn't. So again, the Alienware one, 25-inch 1080p IPS. This one natively 480 hertz refresh rate, but can be overclocked to 500 it does require DisplayPort to hit these ridiculous refresh rates. If you want to use HDMI, it's only, and I have to like jokingly and roll my eyes while I say only, 240 hertz. This one comes out in March, and they don't have a price for it yet. The Asus one, it is a, uh, a 24-inch monitor. It will hit 540 hertz at 1080p. Here's the thing. The human eyeball has limits, and I would love to see the science behind this, because just like when we're talking about screen resolution, 
you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even if you just listened to episode 609 the other day, you know that Richard and I and most <laughs> most people who really get into this technology will tell you, forget about 8K. You don't need an 8K TV because the only way your eye can noticeably tell a difference between a 4K and an 8K set is if the 8K set is enormous or you're standing far closer to it than you should be. So don't do that. Similar thing I have to think with refresh rate. Yes, I can tell the difference between a 60 hertz and a 120 hertz display when I'm gaming. Absolutely. Would I be able to tell the difference between 120 and 240? I'm not positive that I would. I would like to see them side by side. Would I be able to tell the difference between 240 and 500? That seems incredibly unlikely. This really, to me, just feels like a, as uh, our friend Rob H. replied to me on Twitter the other day, It this just feels like them saying, well, it's better because the number is bigger. Yeah, 500 is bigger than 240, absolutely. But will you notice, notice the difference? Enough to justify replacing a 240 hertz monitor with one of these? I really doubt it. I really really doubt it. So had to talk about it because it is one of the big trends coming out of CES this year, but I really don't see the point in buying a 500 hertz, 24 inch, 1080p display. Even if you are a super competitive esports gamer, come on. I want to see the science that tells me that anyone out there is going to notice the difference between a 240 and a 500 hertz refresh rate. All right, now we're going to switch things up completely. We talked about enormous displays and then really fast displays. How about a really small display so that you can take your gaming on the go? And this one is another announcement from Razer. We knew this device was coming, but we didn't know all of the details about pricing and release dates and all of that stuff. But this is the Razer Edge 5G. The Razer Edge is, it's basically a gaming tablet. It is a six point something inch screen and that kind of looks like a phone. And it has a Razer Kishi controller. I think that's how it's pronounced, which is, uh, it's a special version for this specific device. But you can go out and buy a Razer Kishi V2 controller that will work with your phone for about a hundred bucks. And what it is, is it looks like an Xbox controller was cut in half and then uh, has some some slidable rails that that tighten onto the side of your phone so that you end up with half of an Xbox controller on each side of your phone so that it looks more like a Nintendo Switch or a Valve Steam Deck or something like that. So that's what this is. It's a, a tablet that's really more of like phone size, like this is an iPad Pro size device here with one of these pop-on controllers that sits on the side. Now, this is nothing to sneeze at in, in terms of what sort of hardware this uh, the, the tablet itself has in it. The screen is a 2400 by 1080 screen, which is higher resolution than a, a lot of screen, uh, uh, than a lot of phones that are out there. And it has a 144 hertz refresh rate, which is higher than almost every phone on the market right now. So absolutely geared at gamers. It's also got 128 gigs of storage on board. It's got a micro SD card so that you can get even more. It importantly has Wi-Fi 6E, one of the latest 
Wi-Fi technologies, which is crazy fast, supports really fast connections. And they have a 5G version of this using Verizon's 5G cellular network. And that's important, the, the Wi-Fi and the 5G support, because this device is really intended to be a device for game streaming. So using Xbox Cloud Gaming, using NVIDIA GeForce Now, it will also support Steam Link if you just want to play games from your gaming computer on the couch or wherever on, on a more portable device. It supports all of that. It's really what it's designed for. So having a really solid uh, network connectivity option is important on a device like this. But it's it's basically an Android phone. It is an Android phone, which has its pros and its cons, because it does mean that if you just want to play Genshin Impact, or however it's pronounced, or Fortnite on it, or, um, I, I mean, basically anything, any Android games would work great on this. Diablo Immortal would probably be fantastic on, on this device. The problem is, if you just want the Wi-Fi version, it is a $400 device that is basically a phone, and a Razer Kishi V2 controller on the side. You've already got a phone, right? Your phone will already run all of these games. Your phone already can stream games. Now, your phone probably doesn't have the 144 hertz refresh rate, which most Android games don't even support, but some of these streaming platforms do, but only some, and in certain situations. <laughs> so you're buying this device, why? Because you want to save battery life on your phone while, while you play games? Like, I guess. Is that worth $400, though? I'm not sure. When you can get a Switch for $300, and, and I know that is not apples to oranges, because the Nintendo Switch plays very different games than, than what you'd be able to do here. But it's also not that much less expensive than a Steam Deck, which has far more options available to you for portable gaming. I'm not sure about this. If you want it, it's 400 bucks you can, for the Wi-Fi version. The 5G version from Verizon, the base price is going to be $600. But if you buy one soon, they are running a promotion that if you pay for this on a three-year contract like they're trying to do with all phones and things like that and add the, the 5G data plan to it, they're going to charge you $10 a month for three years. So uh, it is cheaper, like it gets you the the 5G version of this device for 360 bucks, but you're also paying monthly for the data plan to add it to, to your connection. So like part of me loves this, a part of me wants one of these because it is really cool. I'm also very curious to see how well game streaming is going to work over a 5G internet connection. Like 5G can be very, very fast. But you also have to have low latency for these uh, game streaming services to really work well. And that's what I'm not sure of when it comes to these 5G or any cellular connectivity networks. Will the latency be low enough to make this an enjoyable experience for anything moderate to, to high speed uh, type of gaming? If you're playing a turn-based role-playing game, then it, the latency probably doesn't matter that much. But if you're trying to play forza horizon 5 or halo on this that latency is going to matter a lot so we'll see no one got hands-on with it that i was able to find using verizon's 5g connection so we'll have to wait and see how well that works out all right 
Our last bit of gaming news for this episode is from Sony. Sony always has a big press conference at CES. And while I'm not the biggest Sony fanboy in the world, I've always really enjoyed their press conference at the end of CES. And in terms of gaming stuff, not really a ton because last year was the big announcement for PSVR 2. Uh, the their virtual reality setup is coming out in a little over a month. It, it's in February. They made a couple of more announcements around games for that. They announced that Gran Turismo is going to support uh, virtual reality mode, which will be really cool for sure. And then gaming adjacent, they gave us a trailer for the Gran Turismo movie, along with a release date coming out in August. I'm gonna check that out. I'm not a grand. I'm not a huge Gran Turismo fan anymore, but I used to be back in the like PlayStation Two days, uh, and I love racing in general. So I'm for sure going to go see the Gran Turismo movie. It looks pretty cool. But in terms of actual gaming announcements, what they what they announced, it isn't going to to appeal to everybody, but it's going to appeal to a very important class of gamers that's been overlooked largely for the entirety of the the video game industry's existence. And that is uh, people who have more discrete needs in terms of accessibility. So what they announced here is called Project Leonardo. And it is a, a special controller that's meant to be used by people who have different abilities. So people who can't just hold a traditional game controller in their hands and operate the thumbsticks and the buttons, people who have mobility issues, things like that. And this this looks like a, a large puck. It's a it's a round device that can have like a little analog stick hanging off the side of it. And all and the outside rim of of this puck looking thing are it's all buttons and they can all be swapped out and replaced with the different ones. There are aux jacks in the side so that you can connect other things to it foot pedals and and things like that it's fairly similar the looks aren't but it's the the idea here is just like what xbox rolled out a couple of years ago with their accessibility controller and while they're a couple years late to the game i'm just happy to see them doing it they've they've worked with experts in the field they worked with able gamers and and some some other uh, organizations that are focused on accessibility in in the gaming industry and it looks like this is going to solve some problems for people who want to be able to use a PlayStation 5 that can't use a traditional DualSense controller. So no pricing, no release date for it yet, but it's coming and that's that's great news. It's absolutely great news. All right, well, that's it for our gaming news for this special episode. Again, we're going to skip past what's going on in our entertainment centers. I just recorded episode 609 with Richard a couple of days ago. Things haven't really changed all that much. So that'll do it for this week worth of of two shows in one week. Again, we'll be back next week with everything else that we missed uh, talking about from CES and uh, you'll have both me and Richard around to discuss all of those things. In the meantime, if you want to find us on social media, I'm still on Twitter at Josh Pollard. The website is there at DigimediaZone. 
Richard and I have also both uh, moved over to Mastodon, and Richard is exclusively, well, he's at Mastodon now. He's not on Twitter, really. His accounts are still there, but he's not using them. So you can find both of us on Mastodon, Josh Pollard and Richard Gunther. Just search our names. We're the only ones on any Mastodon instance with those names so far. So we're making it pretty easy on you in terms of finding us on Mastodon. Again, you'll be able to find all show notes for everything that I talked about here over at our website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can find Richard's other show, Home On. It's a show about DIY smart home technology. Go and check out the, the latest episode of the Technology FM Fireside Chat. Richard's version is always the best version of that, and it's a nice year-end recap of the smart home space from 2022. We'll be back next week. We should be doing the show live. We're kind of playing with the schedule a little bit, but it's typically Tuesday nights or Wednesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where you can see the video show, and there is a live chat room where you can be talking with us while we're recording the show. It's a lot of fun, and we hope to see you there, because that's going to do it for episode 610. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.